WMRA News. I'm Bob Levicky. Sentara RMH shuts down all non-emergency procedures as it deals with a record surge of COVID-19. Last Monday's winter storm claimed the life of a Louisa County man who tried to walk home in the storm after his car broke down. And we meet Charlottesville herbalist Kat Meyer, our featured guest for this month's Books and Brews. This is the WMRA Daily for Monday, January 10th. Sentara Healthcare Facilities, including uh, Sentara RMH in Harrisonburg, are pausing all non-emergency surgeries, procedures, and diagnostic testing due to record high hospitalizations for COVID-19 in Virginia. On Sunday, the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association reported more than 3,500 Virginians hospitalized for the disease or awaiting tests. That's a new one-day record high in hospitalizations. That number has increased almost 200%. Over the past month, the surge in hospitalizations is due to the surge of the new Omicron variant of the coronavirus, and most hospitalizations are for people who are unvaccinated. VCU's Medical Center in Richmond has made a similar decision, and the strain on hospitals is compounded by the difficulty in getting COVID tests. VPM's Patrick Larson reports from Richmond. VCU Medical Center announced this week that non-urgent procedures, specifically those requiring donated blood, would be postponed temporarily. Chief Medical Officer Dr. Ron Clark says it's an attempt to keep staff healthy and available to respond to Omicron's unprecedented community spread. Probably in the next week, Virginia will surpass the number of patients in the hospital with COVID-19 compared to the star variant. The state's testing system has been strained as well. City and state health officials say they have plenty of tests but are struggling to find staff. Governor Ralph Northam announced a plan yesterday to open additional testing centers. Patrick Larson reporting. The University of Virginia will require COVID-19 booster shots for students, faculty, and staff by Friday, January 14th. The Daily Progress reports that UVA moved the deadline up from the previous deadline of February 1st in order to address the current Omicron-driven rise in cases and avoid delaying in-person classes. The spring semester is scheduled to begin January 19th. Faculty concerned about their health circumstances may request a temporary exception to begin the semester teaching remotely. Health officials implore everyone eligible to get a COVID-19 vaccine and a booster shot and to keep wearing a mask indoors when not at home. Experts say the pandemic is deepening the youth mental health crisis. Surveys from the Virginia Department of Education shed some light on how middle school students are feeling. WHRO's Ryan Murphy reports, and we should note this story discusses youth suicide. Virginia's Department of Education asked students between 11 and 14 years old how they were doing early last year. It was just as COVID vaccines started to roll out to the public. The results betray a growing crisis in youth mental health. The average number of middle school kids that seriously thought about suicide was north of 10% in most districts throughout Tidewater. Chesapeake had the highest average, at 15%. Brianna Lyons works as a psychologist and counselor with Chesapeake Public Schools. She says Chesapeake staff were surprised to see their numbers were higher than other local school districts, because Chesapeake was one of the first to return students to in-person learning. Lyons says they thought that would help. But students told their COVID protocols and continued turmoil kept the return to school from really feeling like school. They haven't had a normal school year in two years now, so it's going to take a very long time for them to really process everything and to catch up. One thing that could help students? More mental health providers. 
Lyons says Chesapeake doubled the number of school psychologist and counselor positions last year. The difficulty hiring means not all those jobs are filled yet. Ryan Murphy reporting. A Louisa County man who tried walking home after his vehicle broke down in last Monday's winter storm has been found dead. The Louisa County Sheriff's Office said Friday that the body of Jacob Whaley was found Thursday in dense woods about 200 yards off the road. Whaley's family told deputies that his vehicle broke down and Whaley told a relative that he was going to try to walk to his home, but he feared he had gotten lost. The sheriff's office said the vehicle was located in a neighboring county where officials reported him missing. Whaley was eventually found by a search party that included citizens and sheriff's deputies. The sheriff's office said Whaley's death was directly related to the storm. A federal court in Richmond is expected to hear arguments in a lawsuit against the Commonwealth on Monday over its policy prohibiting the public from accessing civil court records remotely. The federal court system in most states already allow online access to the public, but in Virginia, only lawyers are granted that privilege. The national legal publication Courthouse News Service filed the lawsuit last September. Glenn Youngkin has announced his nominee for Secretary of Transportation. The Daily Progress reports that the governor-elect selected Shepard Shep Miller III, a retired businessman from Norfolk and a member of Virginia's Transportation Board. Miller was chairman of Kitco Fiber Optics and has also served on the Virginia House Ethics Advisory Council. Cabinet members must be approved by the General Assembly. Another change in state personnel, Dr. Danny Avula, who has overseen Virginia's vaccination efforts during the pandemic, has stepped down from his position. The Richmond Times-Dispatch reports that Avula, who was named state vaccination coordinator a year ago, has taken on other responsibilities in the Virginia Department of Health and returned to his position as director of the Richmond City and Henrico County Health Districts. Avula said the job switch was his decision. Christy Gray, the Virginia Department of Health's director of the Division of Immunization, will now oversee vaccinations in Virginia. Marijuana possession in small amounts is now legal in the Commonwealth, but there is no way to buy it legally because no one has a license to sell it. Lawmakers may try to fix that problem in the upcoming session of the General Assembly. Virginia Public Radio's Michael Pope reports. Members of the General Assembly need to figure out how the new marijuana industry works and how licenses are distributed. Some Republicans are uncomfortable with the system of creating social equity licenses that benefit people who have been harmed by the war on drugs. But Jen Michelle Padini at Virginia Normal says abandoning that approach would be a mistake. One of the driving factors in 2021 for enacting legalization was to undo the damage done to Virginia and Virginians by decades of prohibition. Lawmakers are also considering reinstating misdemeanor criminal penalties for possession of four ounces to a pound. Although Senator Adam Eben of Alexandria says another way to approach that would be increasing the civil penalty beyond $25. Whether or not it has to be one that carries a criminal record, I haven't made a final conclusion. I think the idea of discouraging larger amounts is worthwhile, and we have to decide the best way to do that. Lawmakers will also be reconsidering whether localities will have to hold a referendum to opt out of legal sales in their community or whether they would have to ask voters if they want to opt in. Plus, there's the labor question of whether workers in this new industry are able to engage in collective bargaining. 
Michael Pope. Finally today, Charlottesville herbalist Kat Meyer encourages people to have a personal relationship with plants, and she promotes diverse models of healing through herbs. Her new book is called Energetic Herbalism. WMRA's Chris Boros spoke with Kat and asked her how she first discovered healing through plants. It was actually in the Peace Corps, and uh, that was actually my first introduction to plants as medicine, and uh, it was really pretty profound, and it was quite the journey, though, once I returned to really find the training and quite the circuitous route. But I think I have to say it started in the Peace Corps. Your new book is Energetic Herbalism, A Guide to Sacred Plant Traditions, and we'll be discussing this book at tomorrow's Books and Brews. So I guess the most basic question is, what is energetic herbalism? So it is confusing because sometimes people think it's kind of new agey or crystals, and (laughs) especially Chris, energetic herbalism is referring to uh, nature. It's as old as the earth itself in the sense that it's really based in the elements, fire and water and earth. And the energetics means essentially, is it hot? Is it cold? Is it damp? Is it dry? And so looking at the energetics of the plants as versus more of a symptom-based, oh, this works for a headache or this works for that, it's what does a headache feel like? What's the energy of the illness? You're the director of Sacred Plant Traditions in Charlottesville. What is that organization all about? What do you guys do there? Yeah, well, we love plants. (laughs) Uh, That's a given. We have an apothecary in the classroom. Oh, nice. And so I I have a three-year clinical training program, and essentially what this book is is my three-year course. But distilled down, I just feel like this book is a a manual in some ways. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a toolkit. So we have the three-year clinical training, and then we have day classes and six-week classes. And the other part of the school, this is sort of my love and passion, is we are a botanical sanctuary. And I was president of the board of United Plant Savers. And Uh, This organization works to preserve native medicines. And so I'm downtown Charlottesville. You know, we have a plethora of endangered native plants. And the whole lesson is plant the plants. You know, we you can do it in your yard. You don't need those 20 acres out in Nelson County or Allegheny Mountains. And how to create botanical sanctuaries in our backyard. So you mentioned people can just grow herbs in their backyard. So here in the Shenandoah Valley, Central Virginia, what are some of the easiest herbs people can grow? Yeah, well, some of our best medicines are the weeds that you're pulling out of your garden. Wow. And, um, you know, dandelion, dente leon, taraxicum. The early colonists, when they arrived, although we do have native dandelions further west, one of the first farms was dandelion, if you can imagine, because it was such a vital food and medicine. I think when people maybe just want to start learning about herbs and herbalism, it's a little overwhelming when you go into a health food store and you see all these herbs in capsule form and you're like, where do I start? So what should people look for when they're trying to get into this and maybe look for supplementation? Is there anything we should look for specifically? Yeah, absolutely, because that's such a great question. I mean, I go in 
to help visualize and I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, do I pick it because of the famous person who's endorsing it right. or the price or does generic matter? So I always say start simple, find an herbalist. Um, I have lots and lots of graduates over in Harrisonburg and having a guide such as an herbalist, um, someone who knows what they're doing is very helpful. Um, it's very, very important that, you know, we keep the freedom that we can go in um, and have access to these. If there's one thing you hope someone takes away from reading this book, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> these plants and nature is such a profoundly sacred gift and to not be frightened or intimidated, but to walk in slowly just deep, deep gratitude um, for these medicines. Kat Meyer is the founder and director of Sacred Plant Traditions in Charlottesville. Her new book is Energetic Herbalism, and she'll discuss it at tomorrow's Books and Brews details at WMRA.org. Kat, it's been great talking with you today. Thank you so much. Oh, I can't wait to see you tomorrow night, Chris. Thank you. Due to the most recent surge of COVID-19, Tuesday evening's Books and Brews is a virtual event, and you can sign up to attend at WMRA.org or watch live Tuesday night at 7 on WMRA's Facebook page. For WMRA News, I'm Bob Levicky. Thanks for listening. Stay safely connected, and I hope you enjoy your Monday. Monday.